This is the Concealed Carry Podcast, episode number 168. Welcome to the Concealed Carry Podcast, part of the ConcealedCarry.com network. I am your host, Riley Bowman. Riley is the man who loves snow. I am Jacob Paulson. And Jacob is a guy who doesn't like going to movie theaters. Yeah, it's lame. Yeah, I don't disagree necessarily. <laughs> I do like a good movie. I just don't like going to movie theaters. Oh, yeah, I love I love a good movie, but I just don't see the appeal in spending money and looking at this huge screen where the audio is too loud and smells bad and I have to be surrounded by strangers and uh, no, you know what? I'm good. Like I got a TV at home. Yeah. Plus, have you ever looked behind the seats at a movie theater? Ah, ooh, yeah. Yeah. Scary. <laughs> Not that I've done that or anything. Sure. <laughs> Except for when your five-year-old drops a toy behind and you're like, I feel like I need elbow length latex gloves gloves to go dig for that toy <laughs> so gross. speaking of snow i i love snow i like driving in snow i like playing in snow i like singing and dancing in the snow i don't know <laughs> i'd like to get a video of that it was snowing today here in denver yes. so yeah it was cool it's fun not a lot it's not going to stick around longer than 7.30 a.m. tomorrow morning. But anyway, today, <laughs> oh boy, Jacob, he has he titled this episode, Jogging in Las Vegas with Gun Holstered in Safe. <laughs> That's a great title. Okay. Well, really what we're going to do is we're going to answer three questions we received from listeners that deal with that 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 subject right there <laughs> jogging right. in las vegas with gun holstered and safe yeah that's that's a close approximation since it makes so much sense <laughs> but uh, today's uh episode by the way is sponsored and brought to you by uscca the united states concealed carry association whom concealedcarry.com is not officially associated or affiliated with although today they are our sponsor uh, many of you are familiar with the USCCA. Many of you may maybe came to us or came to our podcast or to our website and thought it was the USCCA. But uh, what you can find is uh, a link really easy on our website that takes you to where you can subscribe to their awesome Concealed Carry magazine, which has been in publication for, gee, how long now? Since 2006, I, I think it was? Like 15 years or something. I don't something know. like that. Yeah, long time. Uh, listeners and those that are Guardian Nation members that participated in uh, a, uh, I guess, our last Guardian Nation live broadcast event with Tim Schmidt, president and founder of the USCCA, just a couple weeks ago, uh, you you would have heard some of the history behind the USCCA and kind of how things got started there. But besides an awesome magazine, like what we are very much uh, big fans of is their insurance coverage. Um, that's been a big topic lately. It's been a hot topic. Uh, if you haven't seen, we've got this really awesome comparison chart on our website. Jacob will explain how to find it and where to go. And we'll have a link in our show notes because we find that's very helpful for people trying to make a decision about self-defense related insurance. But the USCCA's coverage is awesome coverage. And as recently announced, they have added 
an elite level uh, plan to their coverage, which basically doubles like all of their uh, previously top coverage. Uh, so really great coverage. It's something that you really ought to have and should consider buying if you don't have already. And that is some form of self-defense insurance to protect you and cover you both from a legal representation side and also what they can cover with is uh, civil damages and liability uh, and a whole bunch of other really great coverage. The USCCA is a great place to look and check out. Uh, and the best place to go to do that is go to concealedcarry.com forward slash USCCA. And Jacob, I see, has dropped into our show notes here the link for this comparison chart. So you can see all these other companies that are out there, but we, we feel that the USCCA is a uh, pretty good bang for the, for the buck. Uh, there's other good coverages out there for sure, but uh, definitely please consider and check out the USCCA. Concealedcarry.com forward slash USCCA. Today's other sponsors are Guardian Nation and Culper Precision. And I just wanted to tease real quick, and Jacob, if you want to add anything, feel free. But we have a gun giveaway going on right now. And uh, yeah, you're going to want to you're going to want to be a part of that. So what, give us a maybe a little more of a tease, Jacob. Yeah, we, we had just announced it today. So we are giving away a Gen 5 Glock 19. So that should be pretty exciting already because it's a Gen 5. They're brand new. It's a hot, you know, awesome gun. But this is not your average Glock 19. <laughs> Did you see I, the pictures, Riley? I saw the pictures and they're awesome. So, so this this gun is is something something else. The sides of the of the slide have been machined um, clean, and then these like zombie looking skull things have been laser engraved on both sides, uh, painted this kind of like distressed white gray color stuff, and then some red splatter. From the front, you know, toward the back on both sides, it's it's, it's quite unique. I assure you, it's blood, it's it's blood it's our, splatter. Yeah, it's blood splatter. It's our Halloween like zombie killer Glock Gen Five, you know, Glock nineteen, custom built, custom built, Culper Curtis, Precision, courtesy of Culper Precision, one of our sponsors today. So, to find out how to ha- to get a chance to win this great custom zombie Halloween edition Gen Five Glock nineteen, stay tuned later in the episode where we'll announce how to get in on that one other quick announcement and that is that recently actually i think in our most recent episode we announced the appendix carry challenge and asked uh listeners to apply answer a quick questionnaire and uh be considered to be entered into that appendix carry challenge and you'd have to do certain things and we'd send you some stuff a free holster things like that really cool uh and i we just want to let you know that due to overwhelming response and the fact that we kind of need to move forward with that project asap we have now closed registration so sorry if you missed that That's true if you wanted to be a part of it but we might have other cool opportunities coming your way sometime down the road in the future so stay tuned, uh, but sorry if, uh, if you missed out. Uh, we've selected who's going to be able to participate in that program uh, already. Uh, have we now? Have we uh, uh, contacted everybody, Jacob? 
Yeah, we started making contact today, so those who are selected either have an email in their inbox or a voicemail from us, or we've already spoken to a handful of you and basically just kind of gave you a little bit more detail, got your shipping address. And so, yeah, if you're wondering if you've been picked, check your email and or voicemail. Got it. Well, there you go. So let's now get into today's topic, which as Jacob so cleverly titled, Jogging in Las Vegas with Gun Holstered and Safe. <laughs> so let me explain where this came from. Uh, recently, we announced that uh, a good way for you to get in touch with us, listeners, uh, is by using the email address podcast at concealedcarry.com. And in the last several days, we've received several emails from a number of you, and we appreciate those emails very much. Some questions and uh, some comments and uh, even one poor sucker that asked if he could get in on the appendix carry challenge and Jacob's already responded saying, sorry, too late. Sorry, Matt. Anyway, so here's a question that came in from Drew. And so for today's episode, we thought we had to answer these questions and do a little uh, discussion. Uh, don't know. I mean, we'll, we'll do more of these episodes like this uh, going forward and try to take as many questions as we can, but of course we'll still continue to put out other uh, planned and awesome content. But uh, Drew's question here is, hey guys, I've been listening to your podcast for about two weeks now. Thanks for finding it and listening, listening to us, Drew. And I am trying to get caught up on some of your awesome episodes. I have been trying to determine what is a good concealed carry rig for jogging for myself and, and my wife. I know you guys have experience here, so it would probably be a fun topic to cover. I have been torn between the smart carry, pistol wear trump card, and belly band style. Thanks for the great listening and learning content. Regards, Drew. Okay, thanks, Drew. Uh, first off, I have to admit, I've never heard of this trump card holster. I'm Googling it right now. Yeah, sorry, I had to mute myself for a little coughing fit there. <laughs> Still fighting this blasted cold. Soon people are going to start emailing us you know, remedies for you to get better. <laughs> Gee, um, I'm yeah, trying this, everything. This trump card thing is interesting. So should I jump right into it? Should I start you know, my, my two cents on the let's, jogging let's, question? Let's get your two cents, man. Yeah, so I'm a runner. Like I, I'm not a jogger, by the way. Real runners never use the word jogging. It's like below us. Um that's just true. So you should just know if you ever want to be taken seriously, never refer to it as jogging. So I'm Jeez, a runner. Go easy on the guy, man. <laughs> I'm just saying it's true. Like it's one of those like snotty, like better than thou kind of things. Like, oh, you're a jogger? Oh, I'm a runner. That's it's, your man who next time. Yeah. Take it's one of those snotty running snotty types. Snotty runners. <laughs> well, my wife calls me out sometimes. Like we'll be cruising along, and someone will be, you know, running along on the on the sidewalk, and and I'll we'll go by. And I'm like, they're not a runner. And she's like, what? How do you know? And I'm like, clothing, stride, it's all off. They're just trying to get an exercise. Anyway, okay, I'm a runner, so I consider myself a runner. I'm actually really out of shape, but uh, here's the deal. Number one thing I'm gonna say is, you know, all holsters aside you're going to need a smaller gun because there, there is not, I mean, you could, you'd have to cut off circulation 
if for you to carry a real full size heavy you know 1911 stainless you know 45 ACP gun in any holster it's just not going to really happen uh in in my opinion because just the amount of weight bouncing up and down is not controllable so my first you know thought for you having you know <laughs> attempted this with many a gun is there are some some rigs that are better than others but you're just going to have to go with a smaller gun Okay. Uh, no, I agree with that, by the way. So, uh, you know, I think there are some rigs, some holsters and things out there that you can get that are probably secure enough for mid-sized or full-sized guns. Uh, but that weight is, that 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 is where I find that the greatest challenge. It just is, you know, you're, you're bouncing up and down, up and down, up and down. And uh, for a short run, Maybe not an issue, but if you're going two, three, you know, miles, uh, you're gonna feel it, and it just it's, it's just gonna wear you down. Uh, I know it has for me. So, I my my running gun is a Glock 43. Uh, I'm comfortable with the 43. I could shoot the 43 well, and uh, I could even carry a spare mag uh, or two. Uh, that that doesn't really add much weight wise. I can carry those spares maybe somewhere else uh away from the gun on my you know left side or something uh where my gun's on my right side or whatever and so that's going to help distribute weight around a little bit as well but the 43 just feels like it's a it's about about the right size and weight um to where it's not really bouncing around too much so here's what i was going to say is that for if you're specifically talking about running or jogging or physical fitness in general retention is really important. And some of these options that you mentioned, so specifically like belly band style holsters, uh, and hopefully you all know what I mean, you know, what is meant when we say belly band, quite literally a big elastic band with pockets in it. And, uh, you know, typically those don't have the greatest retention. Uh, they, they seem fine, you know, but try once again, running for a couple of miles where that gun's bouncing up and down or you're doing other pretty physical physical you know strenuous activity uh there's a chance that could bounce its way out so that would be a concern i would probably advise against the belly band style holsters for running in particular uh but uh yeah i i know you know i mean they comfort wise they they work well i just don't know that they're ideal retention wise yeah, and they also you know some are better than others, but you have to be able to kind of strap it down pretty tight. Uh, that's another that's another factor. Is anything that goes around the waist, you know, and, and we'll, I'll mention some other products here in a minute. But anything that's going to go around the body or around the waist, and usually there's some sort of elastic with Velcro. Um, that kind of thing works probably just fine when you're on your average day walking around, especially with a pair of pants over it that are or some, a shirt that's holding it in place. But when you're running and that that up and down that bounce. Uh, it's gotta, you gotta have a way to really tighten it down. You're going to have to make it tighter. And so if there's some restrictions in terms of how much you can tighten that, if, if the Velcro isn't strong enough, or it's just, you know, is only so flexible in terms of, of how tight it, it can get around your body, that's also going to, going to cause a problem. Um, you know, the, when I first became a concealed carrier, I only had one handgun. It was a Glock 27. I still really like that gun. Um, but I don't really, I, I haven't carried it in years, but that's what I ran, ran with because that's what I had. And 
it, I tried so many different, you know, this, this was a day when not only was, was I much newer to the game uh, and there were no podcasts back then, but m- more to that point, I was very naive and cheap and I only had a couple of holsters and, you know, nothing that attaches to pants is ever going to work, uh, which, you know, rules out the vast majority of your IWB systems. And so I was running for a time with a, with a shoulder holster type rig. And it worked pretty well because you could really tighten it down, tighten down the rig. I think there's a couple of different shoulder rigs out there that work pretty well. You mentioned that trump card thing. I'm on their website. It looks like conceivably it could work like that. Um, the kangaroo holster, I think, has potential there. But here's here's the, my number one issue with any of these kind of shoulder rigs. You know, traditionally when you wear a shoulder rig, you know, you're going to put a jacket over it. And when you put a jacket over it, that means that assuming the jacket is open, the front, you know, front zipper, then your access on that gun is is pretty good. But if I wear a shoulder rig and then put a shirt over the top of it, you know, then and, and go out for a run, that draw stroke is going to be really hard, uh, you know, to, to access that. I mean, I'm going to have to pull that shirt up quite a bit and I might have to really wrestle it out uh, of a shoulder rig. And it depends on how the gun is oriented and some different things like that. But I don't think it's probably ideal. So, you know, depending on, on the underarm or shoulder style rig, that's a possibility. I wouldn't rule it out, but, you know, consider, you know, your ability to access it and draw, uh, you know, effectively and, and safely. Yeah, those are good points as well. Um, so I was going to speak to the smart carry real quick and I can kind of see the smart carry working in a, uh, you know, kind of jogging or running uh, capacity to some extent. I'm not that, to be honest with you, I've been aware of the smart carry system for many years. I've never tried it. Uh, I I don't have any personal experience with it. So with that caveat aside, uh, I don't know how well uh, retention is. I, I suspect it's probably going to work fine. And the reason why is because, and this is probably one of the reasons why I've never been particularly uh, uh interested in the smart carry holster. And that is because it's a system that where you basically wear it in the crotch area, you know, but it's below the belt. And so to draw or access the weapon, you, you basically got to go into the pant below the belt line, retrieve it, get it out. And I, I'm not a fan of that. Uh, that, that, I mean, that's, that's deep concealment and certainly deep concealment has its times and its purposes uh it's not something for me at least in that manner i've got other means of carrying deeply if i have to uh so you know i don't know smart carry yeah go for it i don't know if you want to try it be my guest let me know how it goes uh i don't feel like it's something for me I will tell I, you. I, I have huge issues with with smart carry. I'm sorry if I interrupted you. Go ahead. Well, go. I, I I'd love to hear your issues. And I'm I'm talking specifically to this application to running or jogging. It has no retention unless it has some sort of you know tight waistband or belt that's holding that gun into place. And if you're running, I'm guessing you're not wearing something that's really adding any retention to that gun and holster. In, in addition to it not having retention as far as coming out of the holster, the other thing to understand about smart carry system is that it is essentially a square or rectangular pocket that gun goes into. So there's nothing to prevent the gun from side to side kind of um, movement either. And again, in an average day walking around, no big deal. It's fine. Like go love that holster. But when you're running, 
that's going to be an issue. Even if you somehow manage to keep it from coming up and out of the holster, you're going to have this constant back and forth of it it not staying in place. Uh, so it, it, I, I don't think that this holster was designed or meant for that application. My two cents. Sure. You know, I was thinking as far as it coming up and out of the uh, holster pocket, uh, I, I've, I guess my thought process was maybe it wouldn't because it's, I mean, I, I maybe it would be an issue for you, Jacob, but I have a little bit of a belly in case you didn't notice. And like, <laughs> it, it might almost, you know, sort of your close natural the retention on the top system. of it there, you know, yeah. <laughs> your, your, your natural retention system. I've heard of that. But I, not that I have a huge belly, but I think I have enough that it would kind of keep things pinched in place. <laughs> yeah. No, no but so what you were it, saying about it going side to side, I think is, is interesting and perhaps plausible. Yeah, so. yeah, no, it's the nature of a lot of those those kind of belly band systems is you're sticking a gun in a rectangle. And think about any other kind of holster, leather or kydex or you know, other other holsters that are kind of designed to the shape of a gun so that the gun is going to at least kind of fit in there in, in semi-snug way. Um, but most belly bands, and certainly the smart carry holster, it is a square pocket that you're sticking that gun into. So there's there's nothing that really mimics the shape of a gun and therefore kind of holds it into place while it's in there, which not a big deal. Again, if it's in my pants and I'm walking around, there's a belt on and et cetera, et cetera, fine. Um, I also think the draw stroke is really not ideal. That's probably a, a less than relevant point here. So so here here's my two thoughts. Everyone's like, well, what the crap am I supposed to wear, Jacob? Like you're condemning all things. Uh, I'm going to... Like, go back to default and be, like, you know, slave to the man here. But the Brave Response Holster, which we talk about all the time, it's phenomenal for this purpose. Uh, it is, it has the advantage of a belly band or waistband style holster in that uh, it goes around the body and it doesn't attach on the clothing. But you can tighten it up pretty dang tight, frankly, if you need it to just be tighter on the body. And it actually has a gun pocket shaped like a gun. And it has a retention strap, an active retention strap that holds the gun in place. So again, I'm not, I don't think you can pull that off with, you know, your 1911 and three spare mags in that holster. But I do think you can stick a little flashlight in, in one of the little mag pouches. You can put, you know, Glock 43, as you said it, Riley, or, or a smaller gun. Yeah, the M&P Shield probably would work fine, any of those. Uh, your Ruger LC9S. And you can slap any of those in there, and, and you can tighten it up a little tighter than you normally would and go go to town, and you'd be just fine. Yeah, and I agree with you, actually. And that's probably where, uh, until, uh, well, I don't want to give anything away, but uh, until recently, like, that was my, that's probably where my Brave Response holster got the most use, uh, was actually in a physical activity, you know, uh, type use, particularly going for a, a jog or a run. Sorry, I keep saying the word jog, Jacob. But uh, of course, you know me, I, I, I wear I wear basketball shorts when I go running. So um, yeah, and apparently, apparently you can't run and wear basketball shorts at the same time in Jacob land. So <laughs> well, you can if you if you live in a really cold climate and it's cold outside, then you put on basketball shorts just as a way to make your legs a little bit warmer. But even that's crossing the line. It's it you no you, you just really shouldn't wear basketball shorts. <laughs> oh so gosh. here here here's another thought that would be position when you're running with a, with a gun. If you put that gun, um, you know, four o'clock, five o'clock, six o'clock, you're gonna get a ton of bounce. If you put that gun uh, AIWB appendix style, you know, you know, twelve o'clock, one o'clock, two o'clock, you're gonna find some some added comfort issues. It's not going to be very comfortable. So I, I really highly suggest you just put the gun at three o'clock. 
Huh. I actually probably wear it at like two, two, two thirty. Uh, you know, of course, different strokes for different folks, but that that's where I, you know, that's where I put the Brave Response holster on at Glock forty three, and I, you know, and I strap it on fairly tight, and I forget about it. It, it doesn't move. It doesn't bounce around. It's secure, but yet it's still very quick to access, draw, you know, and use. So that's why. It would be my pick for a uh, jogging or running holster, <laughs> and apparently it's also your pick. Yeah, yeah. No, for I've never found anything else that works better. I mean, I'm I'm open, but yeah, I I like I said, shoulder rigs debatably maybe have some advantages, but it, there's a huge access problem for me. I just can't get to the gun effectively, quickly, and safely. Cool. Awesome. Well. Drew, I hope that was helpful for you and uh, wish you and your wife the best. And certainly feel free to follow back up uh, with us if if we didn't address something you feel. So Calvin sends us a message sent from my iPhone. (laughs) Uh, I just see his name and his email address. So let's see here. Hey, guys, once again, thanks for the content. Just a quick comment as far as first responders go to the Las Vegas shooting. I was thinking about the medical aspect. How many people were saved because of their actions? I'm curious to know about time frame. How many people's lives were saved and at what time did the loss of life end? According to how quickly the recovery was made, just a thought. Maybe time of death records? Of course, being respectful of the deceased. And chances of survival timelines? God bless. Well, Calvin, that's, uh, boy, some loaded questions there, uh, frankly. Um, and, and some of that I, I don't think we can really address. Um, also, I, I do really want to be respectful of uh, those that were uh, killed or injured in that event. I also want to be respectful of first responders, too, who uh, you know did much and sacrificed much in responding to that situation. But uh, I, th- I do think there are a few things we can address here and hopefully is of value to uh, to our listeners. And the first thing is that, uh, well, the first thing I will address is that I think it's really difficult at this stage of things. I, I-, I do think there will be an official report um, as the investigation is concluded that will probably give us some of this information as far as exact timelines and uh, you know where certain victims were located, um, timeline of of all that, of course, and uh, timeline of the response from first responders. All that I think will be contained in an official re- report, uh, which won't come for a long time. I'm confident of that. Uh, obviously, this is a very complex, very complicated, uh, very large and dynamic uh, situation and investigation. So we'll just need to be patient for some of that. Um, But what we do know is that there were many heroes there that night. And yes, our first responders are heroes and were heroes. uh, But there were many civilians that I would call for sure, uh, without a doubt, heroes that night. Many accounts of uh, concert goers and attendees of that night's event that... Uh, risked their lives and administered aid uh, to those around them, including applying tourniquets and other uh, medical or uh, wound dressings. Um, 
some were you using improvised tourniquets. I do know of at least one situation where an attendee of the of the event uh, carried a tourniquet on their person because, like you and like me, hopefully uh, they believe in being prepared. And uh, you know those those were things that were able to be done and used, and I'm sure made a difference in saving lives or at least minimizing damage done to individuals. Uh, uh, bodies and so forth. Um, so we know that there were people. Oh, and I was also thinking too, Jacob. Um, I, I was reminded. Uh, I, I just saw a news story uh, again today. You know, just additional follow up to um, this Las Vegas shooting, and it was just talking about uh, one of the attendees is a soldier, uh, a U.S. Army, and he shielded the body of a woman uh, who was injured, I believe. She's on the ground, and he basically covered her up uh, with his body, used his body as a shield. And, I mean, that's just really remarkable. Um, That's uh, true heroism right there, for sure. Um, And according to that story and that report, those two individuals made it out, the soldier and and this woman that he uh, covered with his body, uh, they made it out uh, safely. Um, I believe her injuries were minor or whatever. So, I mean, that's just remarkable, amazing stuff. And it's a testament, I think, to all of the rest of us of the need and hopefully a desire, I hope, that each of us have because of it to be trained and, you know, in some way perhaps ready to respond, uh, you know, outside of the using a gun context that we are so focused on so often and hopefully respond in a way, um, you know, medically, uh, to save lives that way as well. Um, anyway, I know I'm kind of going on here for a bit. Uh, Jacob, what are some of your thoughts on this? Oh, I think you stole most of my thunder. Uh, so yeah, I just think that most of the time when these kinds of incidents occur, uh, post incident, we are accustomed to all shouting, man, if I, someone would have been there with a concealed gun, you know, this all would have ended differently. And this is one of those situations where it's like, yeah, if someone had been there with a concealed gun, they would have been running just like everybody else. The, the best tool you could have had with you that day was probably a tourniquet and some chest seals, you know, and then a little knowledge of how to apply, uh, you know, some of these medical, um, you know, first aid related kind of tools and, and techniques. So yeah, I'm I'm just would you know reiterate what you said that this should be proof to all of us that you you know that not only is it a valid thing to get some training and to carry around some of those things with you, but it's probably even more likely than you ever needing that gun. I mean, Riley, have you ever had to shoot at someone? No. Have you ever had to draw your gun on someone in self defense? Not yet. Hopefully not. But have you ever driven up on a car accident where people were injured and you were the first responder? I have came up on I have come up on um, three or four. Let's see, let me think. One, two, three. I feel like I'm missing one. So I'll tell you at least three uh, pretty serious accident scenes. Yeah. So so that's my point. Is it's like what's what's more likely that one day I'm going to have to draw my gun and shoot at someone, or is it more likely that one day I'll be at the range and someone will shoot their finger off and I'll have to apply some first aid, or I'll drive up on a car accident and I'll be the first one there to help and I'll you know little no, knowledge will go a long way. That, those things are frankly more likely in life. So let's not neglect that knowledge and and those tools. Yeah, and let me be clear. Those were three instances where I mean I was in a complete civilian capacity. Uh, just 
uh, one of those times most recently was just a year and a half ago. My family and I returning from Utah together, and uh, we came up on a, a horrific accident scene uh, where I ran down and rendered some aid. And uh, yeah, crap happens, and, and I mean every day, obviously like that. Um, so yeah, be ready. And uh, here was the other thing I was thinking about with this. It's a, it's a statistic that I learned in a law enforcement uh, handgun instructor course that I attended a while back, and uh, it it really stuck with me. And it what what was shared was that about ninety five percent of law enforcement officers that make it to the hospital alive end up surviving. And if you just let that sink in for a minute, ninety five percent that make it to the hospital alive, survive. Meaning that when law enforcement fatalities occur, it's usually because they're dead on scene or they die before they can get to the hospital. This just illustrates the point of how important it is that we, most of the time, people die because of blood loss, right? Um, some, you know, and, and that could be internal, of course, too. And, and there's times where we can't do anything about that. But, uh, when we're dealing with, uh, gunshot wounds, uh, and other very serious wounds, um, uh, where there's external bleeding, uh, the number one thing to do is to stop that bleeding because if it's not stopped, there's a good chance they're not going to make it to the hospital alive. So let that sink in. You know, the amazing thing is in this day and age, our medical care is so good that they're so good at saving people if they can just get to the hospital alive. Um, that's, that's the, that's the, that's the uh, objective is to stem the bleeding, prolong life until we can get them to the hospital where the amazing work of surgeons and other professionals there can, can do their, do their thing. So carry a tourniquet, practice, get CPR, first aid certified, attend other medical and trauma uh, uh, courses, and uh, hopefully you can make a difference. All right. Our final question was submitted by, here we go, got pulled up, Tomas. He says, hey, guys, big fan of the show and just applied for the appendix carry challenge. Tomas. I don't know <laughs> if we selected you or not. Maybe Jacob knows. He might have been but, late. Uh, it, okay. And yeah, that could be too. So if you didn't make it, I'm sorry, sir. But he says here I have a small lockbox safe that I carry or that I lock my carry gun in every night. Typically I leave my G19 in its Kydex holster loaded with a round in the chamber before I lock it in the safe. Should I unload it before it's stored in the safe? Is a holstered and loaded gun that's locked in a safe more or less dangerous than an unloaded gun if I had to grab it in the middle of the night? The reason I have kept it loaded when it's stored is to prevent wear from chambering the same two rounds over and over again. I'm thinking that the small amount of wear on those rounds could potentially lead to a malfunction if I had to use it for self-defense. Love to know your thoughts. Best, Tomas. Oh, I got lots of thoughts for you, Tomas. Lots of them. So... A couple of thoughts to start. It actually is a documented thing 
that rounds can wear over time from being constantly chambered and eventually you know malfunction or discharge so that that's not a myth like that has happened uh, i don't know that it happens a ton but i mean I, I certainly have met people who claim it's happened to them and i have seen news stories about it happening so you're not crazy to think that constantly chambering the same round or two rounds over and over again um, can cause that issue. So, you know, how does this happen to someone? Well, okay, I I come home at night, I take my gun off, I drop the mag, I rack the slide to drop the round out that was in the chamber, and then what do I do? I push that back into the into the mag, or the next morning I wake up, I put the mag back, put the mag into the gun, rack the top round into the chamber, drop the mag, insert the one in that I took out the night before. And so now I'm on this cycle of constantly having these two rounds, which on a daily basis I'm you know, chambering and then unloading. So that that is not a crazy thought, and, and that is a good thing to be wary of. Though I don't think it's the greatest reason to do what you're doing, and what you're doing is the right thing to do. So here's why it's a good thing. First off, I don't see any particular advantage to unloading the gun before I lock it up, and, and for a couple reasons. One, when a gun gets into a gun safe and that gun safe is closed, that gun is safe. I don't need anything else to make that gun safe if it's in a gun safe. That's my two cents. I don't need a trigger lock on it. I don't need a chamber lock. I don't need it to be unloaded. If it's in a gun safe, that's that. The deal is done. And in my world, nothing more needs to be done to make that gun safe. It's locked in a safe now. That's good enough for me. And I think it should be good enough for you. The second reason why I think it's really important to leave around in the chamber is because it's always better to have a round in the chamber. In the middle of the night, if you have to access that gun, or for any situation, if you have to access that gun, the idea of loading it, I mean, if you if you believe that it's a good idea to carry it with a round in the chamber on your person, then for all the same reasons, it's a good idea to have a round in the chamber in the safe. In addition, there is also an argument to be said that every time I have to unload my gun or load my gun, in that act of handling the gun, that's more time operating the firearm. And the more time I have operating the firearm, an argument could be made that that also increases my chances of negligent discharges. I think that may be a bit of a stretch, but consider that 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 is an argument that could be made. So there's a handful of reasons why you should leave the gun chamber just Take it off the body, stick it in the safe, close safe. In the morning, open safe, grab gun out, put it back. Uh, I, I I never unload any of my my carry guns. Neither do I. Uh, I was just p- looking at my Glock 19 here. Uh, that is, you know, 90% of the time my, my daily carry piece. And uh, I was trying to recall the last time that I removed the round that's in the chamber. And uh, that was the last time I used it to practice, which... It was probably a week or so ago uh, with this gun. I, I was actually just at the range yesterday shooting, uh, but I did not shoot with the Glock 19 yesterday. So, yeah, round goes in the chamber, and I, I press check every day. Um, I always confirm before I load up, you know, before I holster up and go out for the day. I, I just do a quick little, yep, just confirming there is a round in the chamber. It's best to know. And I know some of you would be like, well, isn't there a cha- loaded chamber indicator? Sure, sure. I, and I, I'm familiar enough with the Glock platform to feel it and go, yep, there's a round there. Um, but it's just an old habit that it never hurts to just do a little press check. And all you're doing is opening that up by about a quarter of an inch, 
You're not, you know, doing any extra wear and tear on the rim of the cartridge or on the extractor or anything like that. You're just quick little check. Yep. Rounds in the chamber. Good to go. Magazines back in the gun. I holster up. Um, so for all the same reasons that Jacob just mentioned and explained, uh, I agree as far as just storing the gun loaded. I mean, if it's your carry piece and it's your home defense piece, uh, then why not? For me, this is, is this gun serves those roles. Uh, it's a, it's a good gun for both purposes. So I carry it all, all day long on a daily basis. And when I'm done and I go, I'm going to bed. I actually attach a weapon mounted light to it and I stick it in my quick access safe in my bedroom, uh, really close, you know, in close proximity to where I sleep. It's ready for use. It's ready to go. Uh, I don't leave it in the holster and put it in the safe. Uh, I don't see a need for that. Uh, I don't, I just really like eliminating variables from anything that I can. Uh, so if I need to use this gun in the night, I don't want to have to think to pull something off of the gun, you know, a holster. I don't, you know, that's why I'm not a big fan of active safeties. I just don't feel like I need an extra device or something that I got another step that I got to do to use this gun in self-defense. So for that, for that same reason, it's going to go in the safe, ready to use nothing in the way. Uh, yeah, that's, that's just how I operate. So addressing some of the other things though, that Tomas, uh, you were asking about, um, you were talking about, you know, preventing wear from chambering the same two rounds over and over again. So let me, let me talk about that a little bit. Um, I, I, I am very careful to not wear my, my rounds, uh, my carry rounds. Now I do generally shoot the rounds that I carry, I, sh- I end up shooting them after about six months. So I try to rotate through things about every six months. I might be a little more than that occasionally, uh, but I'm also very careful and I inspect and make sure that they're still in good condition, which this one I just extracted is still in good condition. Uh, the rim looks really clean and sharp. Uh, the bullet's not set back or or, or pulled out or anything like that. It's, this round is in good condition. So... One of the challenges with, I mean, there are times, you know, I'm, I'm going to go to the range and I'm, I might very well be shooting this gun tomorrow, by the way. And I'm going, just as I did just now, I extracted this round from the chamber. I'm going to do that again and I'm going to put it back in. You know what? A lot of times I actually load the same round into the chamber over and over and over and over again. And I have a little secret as to how I do that without causing undue stress or wear and tear on that round. I think that would be a good video to do. In fact, maybe I'll do that for Guardian Nation members, Jacob. Yeah, you should. Mm. That'd, be a, that'd be a good video. <laughs> and I'll say I shoot my defensive ammo far more often than every six months because I have a real easy rule or habit or routine that kind of keeps me in check. And that routine is when I go to the range, I shoot the defensive ammo in the gun. So if it's a Glock 19, that means 16 rounds of defensive ammo are going to get shot every time I go to the range, and that that doesn't you know that doesn't mean that every six months I take all my defensive ammo and I go shoot it and replace it. It just means that every time I go to the range, I'm going to go through 16 rounds of of my hollow points, and and that you know when I get home, that's a new mag I got to load up of hollow points. So inevitably, that means pretty regularly I'm going through about 16 rounds. 
And I, I do yeah, that. So every, you know, you know, since Jacob goes around or to the range once every two years. <laughs> wow, that was not nice or true. Um, <laughs> but but maybe funny. Now you're going to have a coughing fit because you're laughing. So the, uh, that's just my that's just a way for me to remember. Just a way for me to never have to remember. Oh, how old is this ammo? How long has it been on my gun? I just I just know that. It's never that old because I just shoot it every time I go to the range and problem solved. And it's not like I have to, you know, one day say, oh, I got all this defensive ammo. It's getting kind of old. I better go shoot it all. Um, that To me, that that's a waste. And that's what some of, I think, you end up having to do because you never shoot it. And so I'm inclined to just, every time I go to the range, I shoot the mag of defensive rounds that's in the gun and that also makes sure that my gun is always operating properly with the defensive ammo I use. So it's it's kind of a two birds with one stone issue. It takes out any brain power I have to use to think of how old my ammo is. It makes sure that I my ammo never gets old. And it ensures that my gun always operates properly with the defensive ammo I carry. Wow. Uh, well, what I said about you only going to the range once every two years was untrue. Undoubtedly, uh, Jacob does go far more than that, just so you know, because I, I witness it. But uh, boy, if I shot my defensive ammo every time I went to the range, I, I would have a hard time staying stocked up on defensive ammo. So for me, it's really simple, though, by the way. I mean, by the way, your advice, I think, is really great advice in that regard, because you you would get far more opportunities to test ammo in your gun, you know, uh, hollow point defensive ammo in your gun than most people ever do. Because I know shooters that never shoot hollow points through their gun. They're like, it's too expensive. They're only going to shoot target loads. Um, that expensive. I mean, that, that's that's the thing. It's a, We're not talking like about... Like a dollar per round well, sometimes. Well, it's not like... A, let's, say, let's say it's about 80% Five times more. the cost. Five times? No, it's not five times the cost. It, it's probably... Dude, target, target load, target loads are like right now for 9mm, 18 to 20 cents a round. That's true. Target there are cheaper. There are many defensive loads out there that are a dollar a round. Not the ones I'm shooting. The ones I'm shooting are closer to 60 cents a round. So... And I shoot six-hour Vic round in case anyone's about to ask. One of the best values. Yeah, it's a phenom- phenomenal round, for the, especially for the price. But, but, but my point is we're not talking about me shooting a couple hundred of these things. We're talking about me shooting – If I, in my case, I just go through a mag. That's 16. And maybe I'm more economically, you know – whatever than fortunate than some people but what if you just shot five you know if you just if you shot three at least you don't to shoot those two rounds that we're always reusing and worried about wear and tear on you know i mean is it really hurt to shoot five six rounds of your defensive rounds every time you go to the, to the range and for most of us we're not competitive shooters like riley you probably don't go to the range two three times a week so it's probably doable and and that's not going to drain the bank your gun's going to operate well and you never have to worry about any of this stuff yeah. For me, though, it is really simple, by the way, because uh, I have to qualify to keep carrying on duty as a law enforcement officer part time. And uh, that's every six months. So that's my routine. So that's how I don't have to think about it. Or, or I said it might be more than six months. Well, there might be a few rounds that don't exactly get cycled through like they should. But but generally, every six months, I got to qualify. So I, I do shoot my quals with my duty ammo. So there you go. I, Tomas um, and others, I will say, watch for a video. And I've thought about putting this out there on YouTube 
and I've thought about doing this very video before, but I kind of feel like this is a top secret trick of mine, and I'm going to keep it. My goodness. For <laughs> for Guardian Nation members. Wow. So Top secret. Which, <laughs> I know. Well, the funny thing is, though, is like, you know, I came up with this way of, of uh, you know, loading rounds into my gun without causing undue stress or wear on the rounds or on the gun. Uh, and I just like thought of it one day and I, 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 no one's ever showed it to me. I've not even heard anyone really talk about it. I'm sure there's other guys out there that do what I do, but, uh, I, I don't ever really see it talked about. So yeah. Anyway, one other thought for you, Tomas, just looking at your, at your, uh, your email that you sent us is you mentioned that you keep the gun in the holster. Essentially you taking off the holster rig and putting the whole holster into your gun safe. And I imagine that that's probably you know, safer than me removing the gun from the holster and just putting the gun into the safe. But it does, I would never do that. And, and the main reason I would never do that is because if I do have to access that gun quickly out of the safe and I open the safe and I reach in there to grab the gun, it's still in the holster. And that extra stuff of me having to rip it out of, out of the holster is something I don't want to have to deal with. I don't want to have to think about. I don't want that holster to cause any issues with me getting good purchase in terms of my, my, my grip and, and thus my draw stroke. Uh, I, I just don't do that. So I do remove that gun out of the holster every night and stick it in the safe and stick the holster on, on my nightstand next to the safe. That's how I operate in the morning, wake up, I put the holster on, open the safe, pull the gun out of the safe, put it in the holster very smoothly and carefully. So there is, I understand the potential risk that I have because I'm removing the gun from the holster every time. But to me, that is well worth the risk to ensure that should I ever have to access that gun in that safe, I do it quickly and properly. You know, to that point, and I, I like that, you know, and, and I kind of said that already, obviously, that you know I, I don't like extra steps. But uh, what I wanted to touch on, and I think I've shared this before on the podcast, is that depending on the holster, uh, because not every holster is as conducive to this, depending on how the holster is put on. But um, I have advised to people, particularly apartment dwellers that are concerned with, you know, if they have like... Uh, relatively thin walls to either side of them and up and down. Uh, they got, in other words, they got other tenants uh, in the building that are, you never know where they're going to be. And you're concerned about maintaining a safe, safe direction. If you have a good solid safe, um, I advise to pull the gun out of the safe, keep it pointed in the safe and then slip the holster onto the gun while it's pointing in that safe direction. And then put the gun or put the gun with holster on you. Uh, so that's good advice. That, that, you know, that's something I've, uh, that I, de- that I do. It's still a habit of mine to this day. Uh, I, yeah, I, it's all about minimizing the opportunity for any sort of negligent discharge. I mean, I'm generally pretty safe regardless, but it's just, it doesn't hurt to pull out the gun, keep it in a safe direction, slip the holster on, stick it on. Yeah. Gun pretty good routine. pretty good at stopping bullets. Uh, most of the time, some are better than others. So those are, those are good thoughts. I'm also going to include in the show notes here, a link to, an article uh, with some data and some reporting we did relative to different kinds of gun safes that you might use on the nightstand, what's faster, what's slower. And um, also note that episode 134 of the podcast, we talk a lot about nighttime gun storage. Um, That would be a good thing, I think, to refer to if you wanted additional thoughts on this topic, if you haven't already listened to it. Agreed. Awesome. Well, that's good stuff. So uh, anything else, Jacob? I'm good. Cool, cool. Well, I think it's time to wrap it up here. And so, 
where are we? Here we are. <laughs> uh, today's episode was brought to you by Guardian Nation. Uh, longtime listeners, of course, you know already the drill about Guardian Nation. But earlier this episode, we teased the special Halloween zombie sort of themed Gen 5 Glock 19 made by Culper Precision. So how do you get that gun, Jacob? Well, you need to be an active member of Guardian Nation before end of day, October 30th. Essentially, what's going to happen is on October 31st, Halloween, in the morning, I'm going to wake up. I'm going to pull the list of all the active members as of midnight that night, and I'm going to put them into a random picker website and hit go, and it's going to spit out a name, and that person's going to win the gun. So all you have to do, for those of you who are already active members of Guardian Nation, nothing is required, no additional action. There's no form you have to fill out. You're already in the drawing, assuming you're still active uh, at the end of the day on, on uh, October 30th. For those of you who are not currently members of Guardian Nation, you need to be a member of Guardian Nation. So go to guardiannation.com, click on join. You can join monthly, quarterly, or annually. Any of the above uh, will qualify you for the Halloween gun. Though I will add that if I was to give you any additional advice, if you were considering joining Guardian Nation this month, right now in October, you should really join at least quarterly or annually. And the reason is because that would also qualify you to get the next gearbox we're going to ship out, which is November 15th. If you join at the monthly level, you will still be in the drawing for the gun. You'll still get all the other access to all the other benefits, of course, but you will not qualify for the box we ship in November because in order to qualify for a box, you have to be you have to have paid us three months worth of fees prior to the shipping month. So if you join this month, I would do it at the quarterly or annual level so that you qualify to get the next box. So if you only join at this time monthly, then you don't qualify for a box until February. Correct. Yep. So there you go. So uh, join by, what was it, midnight on October 30th? Mountain time, correct. Mountain time to be considered for the gun giveaway prize, uh, the zombie gun. And that's whether you join monthly, quarterly, or yearly. But if you want to get November's box, which ships November 15th, thereabouts, you want to be a quarterly or yearly member if you haven't been already a member for three months. Yes. Great summary, Riley. Oh, thank you so much. Wow, that was stellar. (laughs) And... For those that are new, and, and actually a couple of the, those that asked us questions uh, mentioned that they are kind of, you know, new to the podcast or they've been listening for just, you know, a couple of weeks or whatever. So if you haven't heard, Guardian Nation also comes with tons of great benefits. Not only the boxes, not only opportunities to win guns, not only opportunities to get in on like things like our annual Black Friday killer sale, but also get access to our monthly Guardian Nation live broadcasts. Get 10% off anytime, all the time, off anything sold at our at our store on concealedcarry.com. Access the archive of Guardian Nation Live broadcasts and special training videos, members-only training videos, which I just recorded a bunch of new ones yesterday. As soon as they're ready, they'll go live on the site, and maybe we'll be recording some more tomorrow. So there you have it. Many reasons to join Guardian Nation Hope that you'll do it by going to guardianation.com. And today's other sponsor was Culper Precision, whom we thank for donating, essentially, uh, a gun 
well, I think we're paying for that gun, aren't we? We are paying, but they uh, give us a, they give us a pretty good deal. Uh, and Culper Precision, yeah. these guys are based out of uh, Utah, and we've done a lot of work with them. For those of you who remember the gun we gave away on July 4th, the American SIG, they also did that one. They, they're they a custom shop. That's what they do. They're, they're an FFL, so they're a dealer. But they, you know, this is not a dealer you go into and they have thousands of guns in stock. They're really a custom shop. So everything that they that they sell is is a custom firearm. They have uh, certain models, kind of you know, a Culper models of, of popular handguns like Glocks that are kind of their own styles and designs. Or you can send them a gun and say, "This is what I want." You can ask for anything you want. They can laser engrave something on it, paint it a different color. You you name it. That's that's what they're into, and they they do really good work. Culper, C U L P E R precision.com and Colper uh, for those of you who don't know they, they, this company is named for the spy ring uh, that helped George Washington win the Revolutionary War so go Colper Precision pretty clever name please uh, if you're interested in custom work like that and Colper does a lot of great work I mean we already t- touched on that uh, but to give you an idea of some other things of what they do, I mean, they do seracoding, they do the machining, they do laser engraving, they do hydro dipping, they do a ton of really awesome work. Guaranteed two-week time turnaround, which is phenomenal. Those of you that have done seracoding or had other custom work done by other shops, it's like months <laughs> sometimes. So anyway, check them out. Go to... Uh, concealedcarry.com forward slash Culper Precision. Yeah? Okay. Sure. <laughs> yeah, we can, or just Culper yeah. will work. Concealedcarry.com forward slash Culper. Okay. There you go. There's the official link. Concealedcarry.com forward slash Culper. Picks of the week. My pick this week is the ETS cam loader. Now, ETS is... Uh, you know, you, folks will know them for their clear, like polycarbonate, uh, magazines for Glocks. Uh, I've been seeing them on Instagram like crazy. Uh, they're, they are kind of cool cause you can see exactly how many rounds are in the mag at any time. Um, ETS is elite tactical systems. So besides their really cool, clear magazines, which apparently I'm like, you look at it and you think it's a piece of plastic, you know, <laughs> like even the Glock magazines that are plastic, have metal lining inside them and you think these things can't possibly be that strong but i've seen some tests with them that show they're actually pretty dang strong um, and reliable too but ets i just found has this really sweet uh, speed loader for pistol magazines and it's called the cam loader c-a-m loader and it allows you to you can you slide on this piece on you know like let's say you open up a box jacob of ammo 50 a 50 round typical pistol box right sure. uh nine millimeter or 40 doesn't matter either one of those calibers this this loader does not work with 45 um i wonder if they'll make one for that i don't know who knows but um it works for nine and 40 and it's got this kind of long, long stick thing so you open up a box of ammo lay it on the table and from the from the long side uh, you know where you know basically a 50 round box is five by ten well you'd slide this onto ten of those rounds okay it's got little grooves in this in this thing on the speed loader okay you slide it onto the the rims of ten rounds pick them up out of the box and then bam slam those into a magazine just like that 
super fast the coolest loader i have found yet for pistol mags for 9 and 40 so check out the ets cam loader really cool product 30 bucks sounds pretty dang cool yeah what's your pick this week man Oh, this week, um, it's a gun. Man, it's been a while since I picked a gun. So the M&P 2.0. And I have the full size. I know that the compact just came out. I have not yet put my hands on the compact and shot it. A lot of people are really raving about it. But uh, Riley will tell you that ever since I got my hands on my M&P 2.0, I really like it. <laughs> I, I'm really curious if I would replace my, my my everyday carry with the compact if I had it. Because the M&P 2.0, the full size, shoots like butter. I enjoy it immensely. I love the ergonomics. Feels really good in my hand. I feel like I get a really high grip on it. Uh, it feels like I, I manage the recoil really well and it shoots really well for me. So I'm a big fan of the M&P 2.0. If you're looking for your next gun, uh, maybe a nine millimeter, this, this is a gun I think you should own. Uh, coming up next, uh, next week, actually, this is you and I, uh, we're, we're headed to Utah. And we're going to record some, we're going to record some really cool content while we're out there. I just wanted to let everybody know it's going to be freaking awesome. Well, I'll add just a little bit of detail to that. We're going to be recording a new online video course that will be available and we're going to be shooting through glass and doing some really cool stuff. And this course will be available for free with purchase of another product we're launching here in two weeks. So pay close attention because we're going to be out there. We're going to record this course. It's going to be really good. And if you want the whole course for free, there'll be an opportunity to get it. And we'll talk more about it here in a couple of weeks. Mm. What's your up next? Black Friday. Besides that. Good old, yeah, I knew, I knew it was coming. Good old Black Friday. Yeah, so Black Friday is a huge undertaking for us as a company. A lot of work goes into this, but we discount a ton of product very dramatic way. More details will come for podcast listeners when we get closer, but uh, that's definitely consuming a lot of time for me right now. Uh, that and getting ready to ship our next Guardian box, those are two things that are time-consuming to source all that product and figure it out and make it work. For sure, for sure. Awesome. Well, it's late, and I need to hit the hay. <laughs> you try to beat this cold. Uh, but, uh, Hey folks, we want to just say, as we, I usually try to, I, I can't stress enough how much gratitude I have for those of you that listen to and support us in what we do here at concealedcarry.com and with this podcast. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you to all those of you that are guardian nation members, which is awesome. Uh, and, uh, it just is another way to support us, um, and make, things better and more awesome. Uh, I mean, it, it gives us greater resources to do more and do more gun giveaways and offer more quality training. So, uh, and of course, continue this podcast. Thank you for supporting us. You know, we've never came to you and asked for you to support the podcast directly by contributing to a Patreon account or anything like that. It's because you support us in buying product from our store or supporting our sponsors. That makes it possible. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you for your comments and reviews of the podcast uh, on iTunes and elsewhere and for reaching out to us uh, at podcast at concealedcarry.com. We'd love to hear from you and hope everyone's doing well and staying safe. And so speaking of which, we're going to sign off now by reminding you to train right, train often, train safe, so you can fight hard, fight fast, and fight true. Take care. 
reminder that laws vary from place to place, and we encourage listeners to seek local legal advice to understand applicable laws. The Concealed Carry Podcast, Concealed Carry Inc., ConcealedCarry.com, and their affiliates strive to share insights and stories about firearm-related incidents and laws, but things could be different where you live, or laws may have changed by the time you listen to this. We cannot be held liable for your actions based on the information shared in this podcast.